Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We think downplaying ourselves and not talking about ourselves will make us relatable and we don't want to outshine other people, but actually it's a turnoff. People see that you lack vulnerability and they take less interest in you. Hey everybody, welcome to The Art of Charm. I'm your host, Jordan Harbinger. Today, another much anticipated episode of the AOC Toolbox, Perfecting Your Elevator Pitch. We're going to talk about things to make sure you have in your pitch, your qualifications, your wants and needs, the value up front, getting your presentation down, why and how you can practice, and something called self-reflective analysis, which will have your pitch evolving as you use it. So with that, welcome to The Art of Charm. We bring together the best thought leaders, teachers, and exceptional individuals to teach you how to be a top performer in life, love, and at work. And if you're new to the show, we'd love to send you some top episodes and our toolbox, including episodes just like this, where we discuss body language and nonverbal communication, networking, persuasion, negotiation, and everything else we teach here at our boot camps here at AOC. In the US, just text CHARMED to 33444, that's C-H-A-R-M-E-D to 33444. Everywhere else, go to theartofcharm.com. We may not have all the answers, but we definitely have all the right questions. All right, let's talk to Johnny and AJ about our elevator pitch. A lot of people write in and ask, and I know a lot of guys come to boot camp and ask, how do I explain what I do? Or what I do isn't very exciting. And I know that we've struggled with this kind of firsthand in real life. So what do you guys do about the whole elevator pitch thing? It's unavoidable. It's a very common question that you're gonna get asked in conversation when you're meeting people for the first time. It's one of the simplest topics to discuss when we all learn small talk is, what do you do for work? What's your job? And I know for us, from personal experience, when we started this over eight years ago, we were pretty timid and we didn't want to talk about what we did. Well, because there'd be a lot of questions that we weren't prepared to answer. Right. So we tried our best to defer it, deflect, and finally we learned that we had to disclose. Obviously, it's important that you convey enthusiasm in your response because no matter how boring your job is, if you don't explain it in an enthusiastic way, the other person is going to completely tune out. So no matter what it is that you do, even if you're not enthusiastic about it, we want to start explaining things on an emotional level. Okay, so what do we need to include in an elevator pitch? Well, I think there's three important pieces. I mean, first is your qualifications. Um, and that's, that's going to come out of people are going to be asking you, how long have you been doing that? And so that's part of that. Your wants and needs. So you should also have that because in discussing what you do and, and who you are, 
they're going to be looking for ways to add value to what you're doing. And you're going to be looking for the same in other people. And so at the end, uh, you're also going to have the value that you have. You're going to be able to include to let people know what you can do for them. And it's called an elevator pitch for a reason, right? It's meant to be brief, succinct, concise, to the point. So that if we were to ride an elevator together for a few floors, I could very quickly understand what it is that you do and how I could help you if there is a chance for me to help you. So that's why it's even called an elevator pitch. It's meant to be short, brief, and to the point. And I know a lot of times when we start thinking about what it is that we do, we want to throw the kitchen sink at them and talk about all the different benefits and every single thing we do and how important we are. And obviously, that's when people's eyes kind of glaze over. So you want to make sure that the person who hears your pitch about you and who you are and what it is that you do could very easily turn around to the person next to them and say, this guy does this, and this is why it's so cool. So if automatically your elevator pitch involves a lot of jargon, a lot of words that you would only understand if you work in the industry, if it's very industry-specific, it's not going to benefit you because other people aren't going to be able to share your story to introduce you to people, to understand you on a greater level, and ultimately to help you. I would say if it does have some jargon that you can't get away from because of your industry, you might want to have the layman's term part of that ready to go next because the next question is, could you elaborate on that? <laughs> could you explain that to me? So one of the best ways to think about this that we had ever encountered or learned, we were actually in DC at an event called Summit Series, and we had an opportunity to do some speed networking. So think of it as like speed dating, but instead you get to meet a bunch of entrepreneurs in 90 seconds. And one of the most interesting guys that we met, both Jordan and I, during this speed dating event, sort of pulled us aside after and was like, you know what, I like you guys, but your elevator pitch sucks. And we weren't surprised because Jordan and I hadn't spent much time conversing about it, working together on it to make sure we're in sync. And ultimately, we were kind of struggling with our job. What we do is not nearly as exciting as what other people in this room do. So we tried to downplay ourselves. And he said, guys, if I wanted to help you, I couldn't even start to help you because it wasn't clear what you guys do. But I'm willing to offer you some advice. This is something that he's very passionate about and he had struggled with himself. Now, this guy's name is Stephen Mead and he taught us something called the tornado technique. And this is the basis for everything, okay? People don't care about you or what you do or they just don't understand it. So it is very important that you cover four things in your pitch to make sure that the person talking to you understands what you do, and if there's an opportunity to help, can do so in a meaningful way. So first off, when someone asks you what you do, you start with the emotional value. What are the benefits? What help do you bring? How do you change people or basically help your customers, right? The second thing you wanna talk about and make sure it's very clear is what industry or genre or type of customer do you work with? It's very important that we articulate who it is that we're working with, who it is that is receiving these benefits. And then, as Johnny was saying, to, to talk in layman's terms, make a metaphor to other companies in your industry, maybe bigger name companies or other types of companies in other industries that are very similar to yours so that someone listening goes, oh, okay, I don't know your company specifically, but I do know this larger corporation. It makes a lot of sense. And then lastly, 
state very clearly who it is that you're hoping to meet, hoping to work with, hoping to network with, hoping to help so that the person listening now understands on a grand scale what the benefit is, what the clear industry is, who it is that you're actually helping and who it is that you would like to meet. So that if I get a chance to hear your pitch, I know immediately the benefits. I know, oh, okay, AJ works in this industry. So now I can think mentally in my Rolodex, who do I know that works in the film industry or in music or or in uh, life coaching? And then, oh yeah, I understand those companies. I know Facebook or I know Twitter. And lastly, oh, AJ's trying to meet CFOs to help him work on his financial planning. I happen to know a CFO in that industry. Now I can make that connection. So that helps you share in a meaningful way what it is you do and gives the other person the ability to help you on that journey. And that's a decent amount of content for such a small little conversation. So it needs to be concise and it needs to be pointed. Absolutely. And specific. Being specific, especially on that last point of who specifically you would like to meet, who specifically is your target audience, your target customer, is going to help make a huge difference in that other person's ability to help you. So basically, in part, we need our elevator pitch to be clear and concise enough and also in so much layman's language that it can survive a game of telephone, right? So you tell me what you do, I tell somebody else what you do, and they can actually make a referral to you because it doesn't come out gobbledygook Greek and lose its effectiveness by being translated because nobody has to think about it. It's easy enough to understand for anyone. And that is how it becomes memorable because people want to know the benefit. That's what interests them the most, more than the nuts and bolts of what you actually do. What is the benefit provided to other people, to your customers, et cetera? When was the last time you heard a pitch and you didn't think, how does that impact my life? What can I get out of that? It's the first thing. Right. It's like, boom, that's what we're trained to go on. It may seem selfish, but listen, it's just how it works. And it's the only way that that other person is going to be able to share it with others and provide a benefit to you. So when we learned this from Stephen, he reset everything for us. And the rest of that event was worked like gangbusters for us. We were able to connect and meet with influencers and many of the people that we actually met that weekend after fixing our pitch with Stephen came on the show and have been guests and have helped us continue to build our network. So it's a really powerful technique that I highly recommend you listen to, write down, and start applying when people are asking you what you do. Over the last 17 years, we have launched our fair share of online courses, coaching programs, and finding the right platform has always been a challenge. They say if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. But if you're an entrepreneur, you know the hard work that comes with it. That's why you need Kajabi. Kajabi makes it easy to run your entire online business from one platform so you can focus on what you love, creating. Kajabi is the ultimate all-in-one platform that helps creators and entrepreneurs build successful online businesses by unlocking predictable recurring revenue. No matter your niche, Kajabi makes it easy to turn your skills, passions, and experiences into enriching online courses, exclusive membership sites, subscription podcasts, thriving communities, personalized coaching, and more. The best part? Kajabi doesn't cut into your revenue because everything is owned and controlled by you. So keep 100% of what you earn. 
And with Kajabi, you also get robust analytics, easy payment options, email marketing tools, and customizable website templates, all built in. You don't even need a huge audience to make sustainable income. There are thousands of creators on Kajabi making six and seven figures with less than 50,000 followers. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business if you go to kajabi.com slash charm. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash charm. Go to kajabi.com slash charm and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion. Now back to the show. Once we start to hone this, once we start to use the framework to get it together, and of course we'll have some some show notes here that will help people with the framework. How do we get it down? How do we make sure that we know it, we can do it, we can deliver it? As AJ said, there's a lot of information that we need to put in here. So we want to make sure it's concise. We want to write everything down. And of course, after that, it's easy to record yourself a few times doing it. You got your, your iPhone. Every phone has a recorder. Every computer There's no reason why you can't record it and give it back to you. The easiest way to do this is to pull up the pitch in a Word document or a Google document on your computer, have it right in front of you, read through it a few times, and then click record on that webcam and pay close attention to, again, your facial expressions. And I know we talked about this in previous Toolbox episodes, but it is very important, along with our pitch, that we display enthusiasm and excitement to be sharing this with the other person through our facial expressions, through emoting. So a lot of us right now, when it comes to talking about what we do or who we are and people ask us this, we're very bone dry, stoic, not showing any emotion. And unfortunately, while people are hearing this pitch, looking at our stoicism on our face, looking at our lack of emotion, they start to tune out. So when you play back that video that Johnny was talking about, recording yourself pitching, pay close attention to your facial expressions and make sure that they're seeing warmth, some smile and some enthusiasm through your facial expressions as you are pitching. Then at some point, we gotta take it in front of somebody. So the first person, ask a close friend. Ask a good friend that you trust who will give you some honest feedback to hear your elevator pitch and to give a few questions back and forth about what you do and work on it from there. And also, it will get the little benefit of the Ben Franklin effect from that. The Ben Franklin effect is if you can get somebody to do a small favor for you, that brings them closer to you and they'll want to do more for you. But it starts with a small favor, a small ask. And what I love to do is blame your boss. Say, hey, my boss wants me to meet new clients or my boss is asking me to network more and I realize I don't have an elevator pitch. Hey, can I take you out for a drink and practice my pitch with you and get some feedback? And nine times out of 10, putting it on your boss, your friends will be like, yeah, no problem. I'm willing to help you out at work, right? Sometimes it can be a little bit weird to be like, hey, just randomly, I'm working on my elevator pitch. We want to make sure that we have all the things that we had talked about earlier. And I know that can be difficult for a lot of people because, as I mentioned in an earlier episode, the Dunning-Kruger effect has a lot of the people on the upper end of the bell curve on intelligence kind of being shy about their worth and who they are and what they have to offer. And we see this constantly in our clients that come through the program, right? As you work your way up the corporate ladder and you become more successful and you've used your intelligence to advance, you want to downplay your results, your position and, and how intelligent you are. And what happens is, and through that downplaying and that self-deprecation, people can't relate to you and people find you a little off-putting. 
So it actually has the opposite impact, right? We think downplaying ourselves and not talking about ourselves will make us relatable and we don't want to outshine other people, but actually it's a turnoff. People see that you lack vulnerability and they take less interest in you. So the Dunning-Kruger effect can have a really strong impact on your ability to network and connect with people in a meaningful way. So when you are talking about yourself, realize that downplaying your accomplishments and what it is that you're working on is working against you. It's not helping you. There's a difference between boasting, bragging, sort of, and talking about the things you're exciting about. excited about. That's two different things. Bragging is one thing. Being excited about what you have going on in your life is another thing. We're looking to be excited about things because if you can't get excited about what you have going on in your life, how can you expect anyone else to do that as well? This is bravado versus passion. To me, there's two sides of it. There's there's a healthy bravado of enthusiasm and that boasting, bragging, douchey bravado. That is the reason that we focus on benefit first. Because if you're talking from benefit, it comes off a lot less arrogant, right? Absolutely. If you just start talking about your accomplishments or the amount of revenue you're pulling in or how much you had in sales last month, that has no benefit to the person you're talking to or they can't relate to you. That's where you run the risk of being arrogant but we state the benefit, how we're helping people, how we're helping our customers, how we're furthering our career, and then you want to make sure that you're not downplaying that benefit. And that's what Johnny was talking about with the Dunning-Kruger effect. We see it time and time again. Always, and the other thing about it is we have to start learning how to healthily build ourselves up because self-esteem, confidence, it's just like anything else. If I was to build a building, or some sort of structure, just leave it there with no maintenance, what's going to happen to it, right? It's going to fall apart. It's going to fall apart. And it has every aspect of nature is going to tear into that. Your self-esteem has every force in the world looking to tear it down. You can spend years building your self-esteem and your confidence. And if you're not have a steady maintenance of it, you know, a bad relationship, uh, a friend that stabbed you in the back, an incident at work, Boom. It's your self-esteem, your confidence right onto the floor. So it's important to constantly be building yourself up, being excited, and maintaining your confidence and your self-esteem. So with a little bit of self-serving bias so that you feel good about going out there and throwing this elevator pitch with enthusiasm. Are there venues where we can go to to maybe get some reps in on this stuff? Well, it's funny that you mentioned that, Jordan, because in the social capital product that we have out, which helps a lot with this, oh, you had mentioned how networking events can be equated to singles events where everyone's really nervous and a lot of desperation. But what better place to practice your pitch than a place that you don't care, where everyone's nervous, where everyone hasn't fallen down. So you're not worried, you don't have to worry about burning through leads or meeting anyone that you blew it. Everyone's going to be nervous. Everyone's going to be a bit awkward and everyone's going to be working on their pitches. So, and what a better place to go out there and have at it. And as we say in class, you know, an opportunity to fuck shit up, an opportunity for you to learn. And the best part about it is the second your pitch starts hitting and starts making sense, you're going to have people reaching out to you after those events, hitting you up, trying to add you on their LinkedIn, trying to add you to their network. So you're going to get real-time feedback on the effectiveness of your pitch, right? If you go to one of these networking events and you burn it to the ground, you screw it up miserably and your pitch doesn't hit, no one's going to respond, no one's going to message you. But after going to a few events and getting that pitch down and paying close attention 
again, to the other person's response to your pitch, you're gonna start to see people reaching out to you, people asking for your contact information, people following up with you after the event. And that's how you start to know your pitch is making waves, your pitch is connecting with people. And go into it, a social scientist, it's a moment to develop. It should be fun, right? And you're gonna get, as AJ said, that feedback right there. It's very important that we don't worry about messing this up, right? There's nothing negative that could happen from a pitch not connecting in a networking event where everyone, it's a pitch fest, right? That's why Jordan talks about it in Social Capital as that desperate singles dating event mixer. So everyone's burning the place down. Everyone hasn't practiced their pitch and they think they're the most important person in the room. So First off, going to an event like that allows you to take some pressure off yourself, knowing that everyone else is screwing up too. It's not a big deal if I screw this up. The other thing that's great about that is you're gonna meet a lot of other people who are completely new to the scene, who are trying to reach out and branch out and build their network. So they're gonna be hyper-responsive and engaged with your pitch, more so than just some stranger on the street. So it's really great in those moments that if your pitch is connecting and you see that positive response from that networking event, it's going to fuel you to now put yourself out there at work, put yourself out in the better opportunities to network and meet people. Listen, we all, when working on our pitch, all everyone wants that opportunity to be with that CEO in the corner for that 30 seconds. That everyone dreams of that moment. And listen, those moments, as great as they are, are rare and they can be a lot of pressure. But building with everyone else from the ground up and say, so for this company in itself, moving into close to a decade now, how many people do we still know, that we still work with, whose companies have grown with us, who now, right, is a very powerful ally. When we had just met them, we're just friends to go drinking with, right? But as we all cared, as we all continued pushing forward, we have cultivated relationships that were all these were from the ground up. And our pitch has changed over the years. In the beginning, there were times where Jordan and I would meet someone influential and we would pitch him on coming on the podcast and we would be all excited and enthusiastic about it and we'd reach out to them after and they'd say, sorry, you guys are dating, not interested. Or sorry, the show's not a good fit. So we've had these same growing pains. And in fact, recently I had reunited with a friend I hadn't seen in a number of years and he was introducing me to people with our old pitch. And I realized <laughs> like how frustrating it was. Like, no, that's not actually what I do. So it is okay for your pitch to evolve and change and grow with you. Our pitch Absolutely. has gone through multiple rewrites and revisions so that it fits what we're working on now and what our goals are. But the best part about a memorable pitch is that although Johnny was right, those opportunities where you get one-on-one -on -one FaceTime with the CEO are rare, it could happen to friends in your network. And if your pitch is memorable, they're gonna be able to pitch that CEO when Absolutely. they have that opportunity. So you don't even have to be in the room to have your pitch have an impact. Well, to go along with building the relationships from the ground up with other people at your level and watching those businesses and relationships grow, what you had just mentioned about having that one opportunity with the CEO guy, well, Perhaps in that time you weren't ready, but if your pitch was memorable in five years, boom, you're now having that connection again. He still sees that you've been diligent, your company has grown, and now you are ready for each other. Yeah, that's right. Those doors may be closed, but they're never locked. And if you keep working on yourself and improving and growing your business and the outside world can see this, 
that pitch, if it's memorable, will be there to help you years down the road. Uh, there's been multiple times in this company where we have met somebody where it just didn't work out at that time and we're new and you know, we're seeing if we could get it together. You know, obviously your first thought is, well, fuck those guys. <laughs> we don't need them anyway. But you stay positive. You look on the bright side. You continue to work and build. And most importantly, have fun. Realize that this is just practice. And as we've talked about in previous episodes, it's all about your emotional enthusiasm coming through with this pitch. That's what people are going to remember as well. So if you're having a good time with it, and even if you burn it down, your smile is going to matter more than any of those mistakes. Absolutely. Thanks for listening and supporting The Art of Charm. For a list of all the amazing sponsors and discount codes, visit theartofcharm.com slash advertisers. Now, back to the show. Okay, how do we gradually and incrementally get better at this? I mean, as we know, practice makes perfect, but we also know that we gotta be deliberate with our practice in order to to really make strides. Is there a way that we can sort of self-monitor and get better? Well, sure, AJ had made a mention of that if your pitch starts to come together, that people are gonna be looking and hitting you up afterwards to connect. But also, when you go home, think about and be honest with yourself. What things did you do went well, right? Did you have good body language? Were you enthusiastic? Did you get all your words out fluently? Think about two things that for the next time that you're going to go out and work on this, that you can do better. And just think about that one or two things specifically. And by the end of the evening, have a self-reflective moment where you critique that. The other thing that I find most important with all of this is observe other people's pitches. If you're going to these events and you're meeting lots of people and you're trying to network, you're going to encounter other people pitching you. And think about, take mental notes, the pitches that you remember. What are the ones that are memorable to you that move you? What was that person doing? What words did he use to describe his job? How did their pitch impact you? And using that reflection on other people who are pitching, right? We've been to, at this point, hundreds of events, and most people's pitches suck. I'll be honest with you. I don't understand what they do, and I certainly don't understand how I can help them. And it's very frustrating because that's what I want to do. I want to meet people, and I want to have an impact on other people's lives. So I know for a fact that there's probably only 10 or 15 pitches that I remember, and those people I'm constantly sending connections and contacts to. So think about the opposite, right? Think about the pitches that you've heard and what did that person pitching you do that was so impactful? Now, a pitch obviously is words, but it's also nonverbals. And as you guys know, we talk a lot about nonverbals in our live training programs here in Los Angeles. And we work very hard with all of our clients to make sure that they understand the impact of their body language and they make changes to their body language so that they're more engaging, more receptive, and people in general feel more comfortable around them. And one of the biggest mistakes that people make non-verbally when they are pitching someone else or starting a conversation with someone else is they stay in positive body language. And what I mean by positive body language is they are just placing themselves directly across from the other person. And the way I like to think about this is if you had a flashlight on your belt buckle, when you're talking to someone, if you are shining your flashlight, putting your torso directly at the other person, shining that flashlight right on them, you're putting a lot of pressure and tension into the interaction, and it's going to be very difficult for the other person listening to engage because they're going to start to feel nervous around you. So what we teach in our program here is 
always start conversations with neutral body language or move to neutral body language as quickly as possible so that by the time you're pitching, you're standing neutral. And what I mean by neutral is you're standing next to the person as if you guys are friends already, as if you're on the same team, and if your flashlights were shining in the exact same direction. And that simple change to your body language of moving side by side to someone allows that other person to connect and relate with you a lot easier so that now they're gonna fully grasp your pitch and not be self-conscious about the fact that you are beaming all of your attention on them. So that's one of the biggest mistakes that people make non-verbally with their pitch. The second biggest mistake is, again, going back to those facial expressions. Once they start talking about what they do or they get asked what they do, we see this total change in their expression, right? They lose their smile, they get a little disengaged, and all of a sudden the person that they're talking to or pitching to also becomes less excited and enthusiastic. The most memorable pitches that I've encountered always have this enthusiasm and passion coming through non-verbally, not just verbally. So what that means is warmth in the face, a full face smile with good eye contact. So when you are pitching someone, you're making sure that you're looking at them, right? Your eyes are not moving around. So if we're standing side by side, we simply turn our head and look at them and give them our pitch. That simple act of having warmth in your face and having engaging eye contact is gonna force that other person to understand the pitch on a greater level than just listening to the words, right? And now they know that you're beaming this enthusiasm on them, so they have an opportunity to get enthusiastic about what it is that you do. Now, the third and final biggest mistake that we see people make non-verbally when it comes to talking to other people or pitching especially is they're not committed to the pitch. And what I mean is they're standing far away from the person, they're already looking to leave, and they're not actually commanding that person's attention enough to get their point across. So when we talk about being committed, we talk about committing to your pitch, being fully invested in the pitch, and committing to the interaction by standing close enough to the other person, not being so self-conscious about personal space. We find time and time again, especially with people who are very introverted, that they are very conscious of personal space, and they are trying to maintain a safe distance from the other person. But what happens is, if you move too far away from the other person, they actually start to lose interest in what you're saying. Well, if you can't be bothered to, to step into the personal space and get the attention, why should I be bothered to hear what you have to say? I think a lot of it also is, I don't want to bother this person too much, or I don't want to take them away from what they have going on. But you have to, if you're going to give them this pitch. They can't do both. Yeah, and don't you want their full attention? Would you want to pitch someone who's sitting on their phone who's only giving you 50% of their attention? No, because you know that your pitch is not gonna work. So you have to get in their personal space. You have to get close with being physically close to them. And you have to be comfortable with getting in their personal space and being physically close to them. That is how you're gonna craft that impactful elevator pitch. So in closing, when we're talking about pitching someone else on what it is that we do, we want to make sure that we start with the benefit to other people because people don't really care about what you do or at a minimum, they don't understand it. And they're certainly not gonna understand it unless you start speaking with benefits first. And that's why we told you our friend Stephen Mead's tornado technique because it is very effective at being concise to the point and starting with the benefits. Second thing you wanna be aware of Practice makes perfect. 
right? You're not going to nail your pitch the first time. And you're certainly not going to nail it the first time you encounter a CEO or some influencer that you really want to get to know. So it is important that you put some time in ahead of time, preparing yourself by practicing in a mirror, recording yourself pitching, practicing with your friends. And then as Jordan said, go to those networking events, those dating style events where you get to meet lots of people in a short amount of time. They're not really effective at creating long-lasting relationships, but they are a great place to practice that pitch on lots of people. And third, worry about your nonverbals. So many of us get so caught up in what to say, we don't pay any attention to what's going on non-verbally. So we walked you through three of the biggest mistakes that people make non-verbally so that you can have an impactful pitch. Another great episode. Special thanks to AJ and Johnny for taking the time out to teach some of the boot camp curriculum, just a little taste to help you guys move forward. And I wanna hear about how you use this, how you craft this, and how it helps you. And don't forget our boot camps and live program details, bootcamp.theartofcharm.com. Remember, we sell out a few months in advance. So even if you're just thinking about it, it's in the back of your mind somewhere, get in touch ASAP. Get some info from us. No harm in that. You can plan ahead or not. And I also want to encourage you to join us in our social capital challenge at theartofcharm.com slash challenge. Or if you're in the States, text charmed, that's C-H-A-R-M-E-D, to 33444. It's all about improving your networking and connection skills, inspiring those around you to develop connections and relationships with you, and we'll send you that fundamentals toolbox, including episodes like this that I talked about earlier in the show. I also have videos and exercises and drills and things like that to help you move forward. You'll get all of that. It'll make you a better networker, a better connector, and a better thinker. That's theartofcharm.com slash challenge or text charmed in the U.S. to 33444. This episode of AOC was produced by Jason DeFilippo. Jason Sanderson is our audio engineer and editor. Show notes on the website are by Robert Fogarty. I'm your host, Jordan Harbinger. Now go ahead and tell your friends, because the greatest compliment you can give us is a referral to someone else, either in person or shared on the web. Now stay charming and leave everything and everyone better than you found them. Thanks for listening to The Art of Charm. Get more confidence, relationship skills, life hacks, and more at theartofcharmpodcast.com.